Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are also live on Roku. So if you guys have Roku, you can watch us from the comfort of your big screen. Anyway, we are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his music and his voice for our intro and outro. He is an award-winning composer of Halloween horror sci-fi and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on places like Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. So check him out. Tonight, we welcome the return of John Kachuba, who's going to be discussing Ohio hauntings and lots of paranormal fun stuff. If you want to participate... Uh, in chat tonight, guys, uh, please know we're down to seven um, chat rooms because Roku does not have a chat room. You just get to watch. So uh, head over to, let's see, YouTube would be UFO Paranormal, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials, uh, The Outer Realm. Then we get over to Facebook with news on the flip side, Canada's Most Haunted, UFO Paranormal, United Public Radio, and of course, the outer realm. So Wayne's chiming in, Michael, Adrian, hey, 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 I see we're loading up. So this is great. I think it'd be a great time to bring our guest on. So why don't we just do that? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Doing well. Like that little bout of enthusiasm. Woo! Know, it was great. It was like I can feel the vibes all the way here in Ohio. Isn't it great? <laughs> Even on this big windstorm we're having right now. Oh, you too. We're having it also. Oh, are you really? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, things are just blowing around like crazy out here. Oh, yeah. Not not good when you're trying to have a stable connection for yeah, well, sure. Right. If we lose you, we'll know why. Ditto too, okay? <laughs> so. Hopefully that won't happen. No, hopefully. So, wow. How are you? What have you been up to? Fill us in. I'm doing good. Uh, I've been busy. I have yes. um, I have two new books actually coming out this year. Ooh. So right now we're in the stage of doing cover design with the uh, publishers and formatting and things like that. So right. staying pretty busy with that and just trying to keep myself safe and out of COVID and everything else. <laughs> Everybody behaving themselves. <laughs> I know. How you stay healthy? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, well, I've been looking really forward to this. I, we don't we don't get into nearly uh, as much paranormal as as we'd like to because we just have such a waiting list. And by the time people 
come on and you know we can get to different topics it's like gosh i just feel like it's been a while <laughs> so ohio i have friends in ohio and a lot of them do paranormal investigating and um it's definitely like a hot zone yeah okay yeah it's crazy i mean i'm not a native buckeye you know i didn't grow up in ohio but i've been here now probably 25 years so i guess i sort of am at this point but when i first came out here i was amazed at how many stories there were and how many haunted locations right. and how many books have been written about Ohio ghosts. You know, I have two and right. there's, there's a bunch of other writers. There's, there's dozens of them out there. Um, right. Right. And people always say, what is it about Ohio? And I, I said, I, I really, I don't know what it is. It's just a, we have a lot of interesting dead people, I guess. I don't know what else to well, say. Well, I mean, you guys are famous for the Ohio State uh, Reformatory in Mansfield. Oh, yeah. That seems to be yeah. a real big yeah. one. <laughs> so, right. you know, because yeah. when you mention ghosts, you mention Ohio, this seems to be the one place everybody comes up to, but they don't realize that there's so many other places. Right, right. Well, when I was writing my my two books, too, I obviously had to include some of the famous places, like the LSR, yes. the Ohio State Reformatory, and some other places that are really well known. Mm -hmm. But I was also trying to find other places that had not been written about yet. Uh, yeah. And I found a lot of them. Um, and what I found amazing, Michelle, is, you know, I do a lot of public speaking at libraries and universities and things like that and on shows like yours. Right. Every time I do it, at the end, when I have a Q&A session, people start telling me their ghost stories. Okay, great. Right. Then they'll right. say, well, do you know about this haunted tavern? And I'll say, where is it? Right across the street. <laughs> you oh, know? It's how like, did I not know this? <laughs> so, I mean, I was finding all these places. The only thing is I don't write about... Uh, like private homes, you know, out, out of, you know, yeah, of course. privacy. So every place that I write about and that I investigated were places that are open to the public that you can actually go to. Right. Which right. I find even more interesting because now the books become sort of like paranormal travel guides. Right. You know, oh, I'm going to take a, I actually had a motorcycle uh, club that two of them came to my, uh, to one of my talks at a library. Very cool. And I see these guys in the back end. They got, you know, they got the colors on and chain. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this is a library. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, the guy came up to me at the end. He said, uh, I'm really interested in that book. And I said, here, you can have it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just take the book. Take the book. <laughs> he said, he yeah. said every Sunday, he said, we get together and we take a ride and we go to some place right. just, you know, for a ride. Usually we go someplace and we have dinner at a restaurant or something. Right. So he said, we're going to use your book. And we're going to go to some oh. of the restaurants that you have in here and everything. So, okay. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah you just sign three copies yeah. of the book. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's really awesome. I, I like, um, I've always promoted the public places as well, because it's nice when you can talk about something and people can actually go and experience it for themselves. I know whenever I travel, I prefer to stay at haunted locations for that reason. So I would be one of those people that would, will get one like one of your books or book for the area that I'm going or I'll get online right off the bat and go, okay, I need to know where, you know, the best place to stay where I'm apt to get a little bit of activity, you know, or a lot, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so what, what do you want to talk about? Which, which locations you, do you want to start with? And it don't have to be in your book. It can be, you know, yeah. Or you can exactly. tease people. I mean <laughs> yeah, because I've had, you know, besides just doing Ohio, I mean, I wrote I wrote two books about Ohio, one book about Illinois, then I have another book called Ghost Hunters, which was more about the people that 
that do the paranormal stuff, Very like cool. the, like um, like the Warrens, you know. Yes. Famous, um, yeah. I, I knew those folks, and so I wrote about them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I've done cool. a lot of work in other states besides those. Right. Um, and I remember probably one of the weirdest places I think was a place that I did in Florida. Right. And it was a. Um, it is now the. Let's see. I'm trying to think of the county, Hernando County. It's the historical society, Hernando County. Right. And the home used to be a home of a doctor uh, right. back in the Victorian era, like 1870s or whatever. And supposedly it's haunted. They say that, well, his his wife died giving, uh, his wife died in childbirth oh. uh, in the house. Uh, mm -hmm. The baby survived, but the baby died like three years later from some oh. cholera or some, you know, some disease. Yeah, so bad. Kids didn't stand much of a chance oh, back then. In those days, yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't yeah. have a chance, half of them, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But so she is supposed to be the ghost there. And it's interesting because the, the house has all these old Victorian furnishings in it, including mm -hmm. some of these toys, which are like, some of them are like cast iron kind of toys. Mm -hmm. And docents that work there would tell me that they would make sure at night these things were locked up in a cabinet. They'd come in the next morning and they'd find them like scattered all around the house, you know, upstairs, yeah. downstairs. Uh, they had a little cradle, a little baby, you know, for a doll, a doll cradle. Mm -hmm. They came in one morning and the thing was was broken all apart. I mean, it was totally oh. fine when they locked up. Next when they come, you know. So wow, wow. So they Maybe asked me had about, memories for mom. Well, yeah, you know, you know? It's interesting. I don't know, but yeah. they, you know, she was she was harmless. There were some other ghosts too that didn't seem to have any connection with the doctor or his family. But they mm -hmm. asked me to come in and do an investigation there. And I met with uh, a ghost hunter from Tampa mm -hmm. and spent the night there and absolutely nothing happened. It was like dead quiet, right? So it was the two of us and the supervisor and she's all apologetic. She's saying, oh, I don't know what's going on. She said, normally there's all this activity, everything, you know, we, all the time. You guys mm -hmm. come and it's quiet. I said, well, I've been there before. You know, I'd say, yeah, yeah. well, me. they don't know you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So at about maybe like three o'clock in the morning or something, and we say, okay, let's let's just forget this. There's nothing happening tonight, you know. So mm -hmm. we start walking out of the house, and the supervisor is making sure all the alarms are set. You know, she's going around doing all that. So there's right. only one door that we can go out. And it's in the back in the kitchen. Right. So we go through the kitchen, which is set up again like an old style kitchen. There's this wood burning stove there. Mm -hmm. The three of us are in one line because being well-prepared ghost hunters, we had one flashlight among the three of us. Right. We're trying to stumble out, you know? Right. <laughs> when we go past the, the stove, um, the surface had like, like a big round sort of iron disc on it and it mm -hmm. had a bolt attached an eye bolt. And there was this hook probably about 18 inches long and it was wrought iron. It was pretty heavy. Right. The idea was that when the stove got hot, you would take that that handle and lift up that lid and drop some more wood and then just close it over because it'd be too hot to touch, right? Right. So this thing is laying across the surface. And as we walk, I see in the corner of my eye, I, I see it, it rises up, right? Now, again, this is about 18 inches long, but it doesn't just rise up. What it does is it, it flips over. It does like a 180, right? It just comes up and over and it hits the stove like... Like that. I mean, it just slams down on the lid and actually pops off on the floor. Wow. Yeah, that's that's exactly the words that we said. <laughs> the, the three of us stood there. We said the stupid thing like, did you see that? Yeah, we saw it. I mean, it was like literally right six inches away from us, right? 
Mm-hmm. So we don't know without, I mean, it defied all laws of physics and any natural law that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see that, and we, here it is, the three of us have all our gear packed up, cameras put away, everything else, mm-hmm. walking out the door. And that's when it happens, right? That's um, always the way. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I try to chalk it up as you go to a location, you're a stranger to them. They don't know you. They're still people, spirit people, but they're still people. You know, so they're trying to maybe figure out, you know, who you are. You might have those that say, well, if I'm really quiet, they'll just go away and not come back. Or you get those that are are more curious about you and they're just trying to get a feel for you, get to know you. And then the more times, which I'm sure, you know, you can attest to, the more times you start going to a location, all of a sudden things just start to unravel because they know who, they know you. You build a rapport with you. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to that. You know, yeah. and you get more comfortable in that environment yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I do a lot of times is I, I don't belong to any like ghost hunting paranormal group or anything. Right. But frequently I'm invited by various groups that they yeah. know my work and everything. They say, well, you know, why don't you come with us? We're going to go someplace tonight and do it. It's, okay. But what good. I do when yeah. I get to that location is mm-hmm. frequently they're setting up. A lot of times they have a lot of gear and they're setting up on their stuff. But I always try sometime during that investigation to right. get away from everybody, you mm-hmm. know, and just go off and find a room or something by myself. Mm-hmm. I just sit there very quietly. And I have a practice of meditation every day, right? Mm-hmm. So I just go there. And basically, I, I it's not a trance or anything mystical like that. But I just, you know, sort of take a couple deep breaths and I just kind of meditate. And I just Because what that does is it lowers all sort of, sort of all the barriers that you have that prevent you. And I put that in quotes because they don't really, but sort of, we don't want to, you know, say that we can see things or hear things. It's like, right. People don't want right. To hear right. If you get that, if you're, you can get yourself alone like that and drop all those barriers, then things sort of enter into your environment. Um, and that yeah. takes a little time to do. Um, it does. It does. It works. Yeah. I, I, I've tested that theory many times. I think it's just a matter of, you know, being being a constant presence. I've had locations that I've worked at for years, you know, that have asked me to represent them in a paranormal standpoint. And I'm like, okay, you kind of go in there, you're kind of like, <laughs> crickets, <laughs> there's nothing going on at all. And over time, you know, all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of keeping to myself. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing a recording, or I'm walking around. And whenever we have public events, I like to go around. And even when we would film here, I would go around and say, Okay, this is the deal with how many people are coming in, this is what's going on. Partake if you like, don't partake if you don't want to, I don't care. I'm just, you know, I'm just letting you all know, there's gonna be strangers in the house. And then, boy, some some nights, you know, we've had camera crews come in here and coins are dropping from the ceiling and they're videotaping it. And I'm sitting there going, this never happens here. This never happens in this house. (laughs) (laughs) And we live here. (laughs) So I think it just depends on the person. Maybe if there's something they really like about you, they'll show off a little bit. I think so. I was doing a library talk one time. And uh, when it was over, a woman came up to me. She was an older woman. Uh, and she was very quiet. She introduced herself and said that she was a spiritualist minister, you know, in the spiritualist church. Right. So, right. Oh, it's very interesting. And she said, um, she asked me, she said, can you see auras? And I said, no, I, I can't see auras. She mm-hmm. said, well, I can. And I can see yours. And I forgot what color she said. But anyway, she said it indicated to me that you were 
um, sort of sincere about what you're doing and going about it in the right way, kind of a respectful way. Nice. And she said, so have you, you know, have you made contact with spirits? And I said, this was pretty early on when I first yeah. started. And I said, no, I don't really think so. And she said, well, you will because of the way you approach it, because of your attitude. She said, they're going to be attracted to that. They're going right. to sort of come to you. Right. Um, which, you know, it's probably happened since then. So. Right, right. Well, I'd say so. I mean, you you have experienced enough to be able to write several books. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's something, there's got to be something to that. Yeah. It's funny, you know, you mentioned having, like, when you're doing talks and having, like, you know, this, this older woman, of course, being spiritual, she's going to be a bit more comfortable. But I've done talks as well at retirement communities where I was asked to come in. And I always thought to myself, it's going to go one or two ways because I I feel that the elderly they're the keepers of your history and they they just they know so much you know about areas and about you know places that you think are haunted and they'll know everything about it because that's so they grew up in that area but they're very funny because you get some it's like they don't want everybody else within their retirement community and the retirement home to know that they've had experiences and they pull you aside very quietly. And like, I have a story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so adorable. It's like, you know, but sometimes that's where the best stories come from. Right. Yeah. You know, but. Well, yeah. And in my books too, you know, I, between those two Ohio books, there's probably close to, oh, maybe close to 60 locations or something in those two books. Oh. Um, and, you know, obviously when I went to them, I can't say that I experienced something every time sure, I went. You know, course. sometimes it's one quick visit over yes. like a haunted hotel. I spend one night there or something. Maybe something happens, maybe it doesn't. But what I do in all the books is I interview people that are there all the time. Yes. So like at a haunted hotel, you know, I talk to the housekeepers, the desk clerks, security mm -hmm. guards, anybody mm -hmm. like that. If there's a restaurant, the wait staff, you know. Yes. And these people are there. 24 seven. And so they tell me their stories and they tell right. me what they've experienced. So right. it's, it's really interesting when you put all this together in some of these locations and you see this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's fascinating because the, you know, you have to take in eyewitness accounts and sometimes, you know, you may experience nothing. I've stayed in haunted places, you know, over and over the same ones. And some nights it'd be something subtle, just like foot, foot, footsteps. You know, mm -hmm. and around the room. Sometimes it's nothing. Other times, like I've had like people pull, you know, or people something pull the blankets up on me. I was at a location one time, and the blankets are coming up, and it was pretty malevolent energy there as well as a lovely spirit family. And I'm thinking, okay, they're either trying to just make sure I'm warm, or something's going to try to smother me. <laughs> so I'm waiting for it. It's kind of like which ones are going to be? Wow. You know? Oh yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You know, you're sleeping by yourself in there too. It's just, you know, some know. experience. I know, Michelle. There's a fine line between warm and smothering, you know. <laughs> I know. I just, you know, <laughs> you I'm sitting here. You're just waking up kind of like going, something's touching me, you know. So you're half asleep, so you can't really quite tune in. And it's kind of like you see the blankets, you look, and I see the blanket coming up. I'm going, which is it? <laughs> so, you know, don't want to panic. But thankfully, it was just a trying to keep me warm. Yeah, well, and you never know. My my wife and I stayed at a place in Ohio called uh, Riders, R-I-D-E-R, -R -E Riders uh, Inn. Right. Uh, Riders 1812 Inn, and it's in wow. Paines, Ohio, which is up north. Wow. Um, it was built in 1812. It was a stagecoach stop and all this. 
There's yeah. only like three or four rooms, I think, in it. And it's supposed to be haunted by uh, the first innkeeper there. And there's stories about um, a fire that broke out. And apparently this the ghost actually opened the door and let snow blow into the kitchen where the fire was. And the snow put the fire out and things like that. But right. um, so my wife and I stayed up there. And I said, you know, to the innkeeper, of course, well, what's, what's the most haunted room? And she said, you know, this one, whatever I forgot what it was. Okay, right. so we stayed there. Now, my wife has a has a PhD in toxicology, right? So right. she's a scientist. Right. So, <laughs> so she right there, me, I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, she says, now, you know, this is your gig, right? right. <laughs> and, and I'm not buying into it. And I said, right. well, okay. But so we were in bed and it must have been, it was about two o'clock in the morning. It was like, it was seasonal. It wasn't, uh, the air conditioning wasn't on in this, in this uh, hotel yet. They do actually have air conditioning. Right. And the heat had been turned off. So it was like in that seasonal change, right? So it wasn't any kind of furnace noise or air conditioning noise. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, it's about two o'clock in the morning, and we feel like this, like this draft, like the room got cold. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just like a draft. It was like a, a wind, like a directed wind that mm -hmm. came up at the foot of our bed and came like right up over us and like sort of passed somewhere behind us in the wall behind us, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so pronounced, we both woke up and we said, what was that? You know? <laughs> but, you know, it's good when even the scientist is going, what was well, that? Well, it's <laughs> the other thing, yeah, the other thing about the scientists in this particular story <laughs> is that um, in this room, they had one of the original nightgowns that the first innkeeper wore. And they had it up on like a dress form, mm -hmm. right? So it's standing in the corner at the foot of the bed. So you wake up at two o'clock in the morning with this wind blowing up to you and you see this white form standing there. So she wow. doesn't go with me anymore, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm I done. love that. But the funny thing about that wind, so it was it was really unusual because as I, as I said, none of the windows were open. There wasn't any reason for not just a draft, but a wind. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when I woke up the next morning, I hadn't seen it before, but there was a little bedside diary where, you know, oh. guests come in and they record, you What's know, all and all this stuff, right? Yeah. And there were maybe three or four entries over the course of a couple of years mm -hmm. that talked about being woken up at around two o'clock at the same time by mm -hmm. some strong wind that blew into that room. So I said, wow. oh, was, and I, you know, I didn't know that until afterwards. I said, well, that's that's unusual because it was different times a year, different years, yeah. different people. They yeah, all you get the same sort of experience. Yeah. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. That's right. very cool. I, I, I love hearing stories like that. It's so subtle, you know, like it, it wouldn't take, I mean, how much energy do you think it would take as a spirit or, or being to project something like that i mean full body apparition you know it's going to take a lot i mean some yeah. people can see them like this uh, you know they're just there you can touch them it's happened to me in all my two decades of doing paranormal research if i've seen a full op like body apparition five times i'd be surprised right no, that's, that's yeah that's unusual although you know you see tv programs and everybody's seeing full body apparitions apparently yeah but, yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i don't know for me you know, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. I mean, I've, I've been touched. I've had all kinds of amazing experiences captured on photographs, spirits with me, behind me, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing EVPs. I've got like a phenomenal library of EVPs. But when it comes to like full-on where I can reach out and touch you, you know, I, I, 
maybe a handful of times. Yeah, yeah. You know? You, you mentioned EVPs, and I, I always think those are pretty good. You can catch a lot of EVPs at different places. Mm -hmm. There's a place um, – I was teaching at Ohio University for a while in Athens, Ohio, which is in the southeast part of the state, in Appalachian, Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a uh, there was a place there that was called the Athens Lunatic Asylum. And it was Ooh. built like 1873. And it was a gorgeous, I mean, it's a huge stone building. And if you see pictures of when it was built, mm -hmm. it was incredible. They had their own farm. They made bricks. Wow. They raised and raised cows and pigs. They had orchards. Wow. And, and the patients did all the work, you know. It was a fountain. They had an alligator in the fountain. I don't know why, but they had an alligator in the fountain. It's uh, crazy. <laughs> so this big, beautiful building, back. you know, eventually yeah. closed at some point and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ohio University bought it. Oh, so awesome. they've got this thing sitting up on a ridge over the river. Beautiful location. They nicknamed it. It's called the Ridges because it is on a ridge. Right. Uh, and it's supposed to be really, really haunted. Now, the thing is, it, it's an enormous structure. And because of safety considerations like asbestos, you know, oh, yeah. bad, bad floors, bad ceilings. Right. Most of the building, probably 90% is locked down and unusable. Wow. Um, at some point, the university, you know, they mm -hmm. they were able to rehab part of it, but it's going to cost a lot of money to do the rest. And who knows what's going to happen. But in the right. meantime, the stories about that place have been incredible, about these asylums. Mm -hmm. And um, I... Uh, I was asked to do an investigation there because I had a friend of mine who was an art instructor at the university. Mm -hmm. And he came, and so the artists, the, the guys who taught art, had their private studios in the ridges in this building. That was the one part. Oh, of the yeah. Right. Literally wow. in the patient's rooms. They literally just moved out the bed and moved easels in, right? Please, and there please. was easy. Oh, there was there was still graffiti on the walls and stuff from patients, things like really heartbreaking stuff like. On one of the windowsills, somebody had written, if I had wings, I'd fly out of here and all, you know, from right. patients. So That's anyway, yeah. he said to me that, um, he said, yeah, we're, it's weird. People come and go in this building, and a lot of them are friends of the artists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He said, but we're seeing people we don't know. And we look around, and they, they sort of, we see them for a minute, and then they're gone. And he talked about going into the men's room, which was kind of a long rectangular room, with the door at one sort of end of it. So if you stood in that doorway and you looked into the room, what you would see across the other side were a row of mirrors and sinks. Mm -hmm. so if somebody was standing there, you know, you'd see the reflection, right? So as he walked in there, he saw a guy reflected in the mirror and it wasn't him. And he didn't think anything of it. Oh, there's a guy in here. So he turns into the, turns inside there and there's nobody there. And he's standing in the only doorway in and out of the room. Right. Mm -hmm. So, because of that, they asked me to do an investigation, and I had a, I, I invited a team from Columbus, Ohio, to come down, and we went in that building from the attic all the way up down to the basement, and all these wards, all these floors were locked, mm -hmm. and weren't supposed to be on them, but because I, you know, I was teaching there, and I knew who the facilities maintenance people were. And I knew what a six pack of beer would get me. <laughs> uh, me the bribe. <laughs> Very nice. So we went all over the place and we had cameras set up and we had the tech, you know, uh, sound recorders set up and all this kind of stuff. And we mm -hmm. carried some with us. But long story short, is at the end of this, there was a room in the basement. The basement had several rooms that were literally what you would call the padded cells, you know, where they mm -hmm. kept patients who were just 
uncontrollable, who were dangerous to themselves and to mm -hmm. others. They kept them locked up there. Right. So we had a recorder in one of those rooms. We just let it go. We let it play and we closed the door and left it. So after we broke down the investigation, started listening to all this stuff, we're listening to the recorders. And as you know, going through all this stuff, looking at video and listening to recorders is like, you know, forever, right? It takes forever. So we're listening to this recording, we're not hearing anything, just white noise. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, we hear, would you help us? Mm -hmm. Just like that, mm -hmm. would you help us? Oh, said, oh my God. <laughs> when we heard that, I mean, like, what do you say to that? Right up your spine, you know? Yeah. It yeah. made sense. It made sense because if, you know, if you were a spirit from somebody in that time and you were locked up in this place and you saw somebody out there, wouldn't you be saying, help, get me out of here? Would you oh, help us? Yeah. And that EVP, Michelle, was so clear. Um, the group that we worked with, I worked with, was called the Columbia the Ohio Exploration Society. And I don't know if they still have a website anymore. I don't know if they're even mm -hmm. around anymore. Right. They had right. a website and they had posted that EVP on there. Mm -hmm. It was it was clear. I mean, you probably know some of the EVPs that you get, somebody will say, well, it sounds like he said the body is under the sink. And they so, don't even know. Yeah, this is like a class A, just perfect, yeah, right? Yeah, this yeah. was like unbelievable. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, that place has a lot of history. And, you know, the university, of course, is really mm -hmm. cut down on letting people out. Well, they never let people out. The people are breaking into the building. <laughs> right, right, right. You get pe one hand, you got people trying to get out. <laughs> the other hand, you got yeah, people right. trying to get that's, in, right? That's right. That's what, right. What is it about? about the asylums do you think that um or prisons what like the type of energy what is it do you think that makes them and, and, I, that remain behind residual yeah. or angst what is it do they I know they're it, dead I think, yeah i think most of that is residual you know i don't i think that you know people who are disturbed <coughs> when i say disturbed i'm including people in prison too they're disturbed in a different way maybe not mentally some of them but yeah. They're all they're all undergoing a lot of anxiety, a lot of grief, a lot of mm -hmm. tension, uh, stress, and I think all that. You, you know, we know that we're electric, and we know that we give off sort of vibes, if you will, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that's what that's what happens there. And so you create this environment that stays; it just sticks to that to that environment. So mm -hmm. I don't think when we were there, yeah, it's a good question. I'm. I think in that case, it sounds more like we are actually interacting with something in real time, though. It, uh, it does. Like, it sounds very yeah. intelligent. They're reaching out to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I often wonder, <sighs> you know, you get into situations where maybe they don't realize that they've passed. You know, I, I guess it depends right. on the mindset. What, what kind of a, of a state of mind were they in at the time of their passing? Right. If you're not of sound mind, you you, you know, let's face it. It, it's it's the energy is so much different than the physical. What puts you not of sound mind? Is it the physical part of you, or is it just the psyche? You know what, what you become um, through through the journey. You get those who are, you know, they're stuck. Is it they're stuck yeah. because they just yeah. don't think they can leave? It's, again, that mindset. Because I think a lot goes back to our religious belief system, possibly the way we're conditioned. You know, back in the 1800s, even before, it's like, you know, thou shall not kill, thou shall not cover thy neighbor's wife, all these commandments. You had a lot of people who took that very, very seriously. So when you pass away, you know, oh, I'm going to take my chances and stay here. 
<laughs> depending wow. on what you may have <laughs> we may have done you've kind of like yeah i'm good yeah. so right. i don't know i think it's 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 a lot of different situations but you just find these places are beyond just one spirit bleed yeah. throughs you know dementia bleed throughs and and uh, residual energies yeah i could i could just see that but that's mm -hmm. like a replay thing or just leftover sound yeah. you know right and this was this was certainly more active but yeah to your point too you also get you get folks that, that don't want to leave you know even if they understand you can say well you know your time is done you know you don't belong here anymore there's some mm -hmm. just don't want to go we mm -hmm. did an investigation in um an old abandoned farmhouse in the middle of central ohio mm -hmm. uh, myself other people and um one of the persons brought in a ouija board wow. which i said uh you know do we, uh, do we really? yeah, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> i know yeah yeah anyway we did and um we spelled out a name of a woman i think it was esther but i don't remember anymore but you know, we said who's mm -hmm. it spelled out um but then we said okay well when did you when were you living here or something it was like 1869 or something like that Mm -hmm. But at one point, um, we were actually working, we had a psychic with us, and actually the psychic was asking these questions. And she right. said, she said, well, um, you know, would you like us to help you move on to, because she said, she had said somewhere in there that her, her daughter, her son, I forgot, um, mm -hmm. lived in the house and that she was looking for him and all stuff. We said, well, they're not there, but would you like us to help you move on? And the planchette, you know, the thing just shot over to know. Uh, on the board and it just it stopped it, it wouldn't move it's just like i'm not moving i'm not leaving this place oh so, yeah so at that yeah. point i said uh let's put the ouija board away and right. <laughs> yeah because yeah. i don't know what we're dealing with here you know yeah um, well i mean that's the thing i guess you take chances on what are you really dealing with i find with with guests of of older times gone by not so much modern especially when you have you know, old farmhouses, and then you let's say a new subdivision gets bare or gets barreled onto this 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 property. Back in the day, what made you wealthy? A lot of times was your land. Your land sustained you. You know, you might have been born in your your land. Your children were born in your land. You died in your land. You're buried on your land. You had you know you had either cattle or you had you know crops. It sustained you. You couldn't just go put on a light. You had to chop wood to be warm. You had to take the lard, you know, just to, to you know, I mean, just to cook or have candles and light. And it life was was really hard back then. And I think the chances that you want to give that up, you know, you're still holding on. Some spirits mm -hmm. just fought so hard for it, or people mm -hmm. that you know come across, you know, spirit people just like, no, it's mine. You can't have it. I've, I've worked with families. They're just like. Like we do, again, they're renovating. They started renovating. It's like, yeah. ooh, <laughs> you didn't tell them what you were doing, did you? We did it. <laughs> we did it here. And and we found here when we started restoring the spirit, one spirit, a family member would show us where things were. We found a door here that was completely covered that we never would have found that had all this beautiful wainscoting in it, all this, you know, oh, this, wow. this beautiful woodwork. We're like, but that's. Because that's a spirit woman who's like, oh, what about this door? We're like, door? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, there's a door. <laughs> oh. You know, so I think sometimes a lot of hauntings could 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 be a little less drastic if people would just bear in mind. If you think you have something going on, maybe just say, hey, 
We're not trying to wreck your place. We're just trying to make it better. You know, yeah. I don't know. Call me crazy, but <laughs> no, you know, um, sanitariums, jails, hospitals, retirement homes have energy from people crossing over in death. Makes me wonder if the excess energy opens portals for other things in the paranormal to happen alongside hauntings and residual energies. That would, that's actually a good point because you can imagine when the spirit leaves the body, the imprint in that time and space, just from a quantum aspect of, of what it, like the imprint it would leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about the portal part of things, but I, I imagine that would leave one heck of a good spot on uh, spot on on the the environment, so to speak. Oh, hey, nice to see you. <laughs> so, you know, um, going back to a couple of the comments, you'll see me just bringing this up just so the viewers can read them as we're talking. My experience, uh, spirits can hear our minds. They can actually speak if we listen. There are different states of perception that alter spirits' own perceptions. Yeah, I believe that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a good one going back to your artist friends I wonder if the artists were influenced by spirit in painting because it's a very meditative yeah she's a painter so yeah yeah that's a good point like I said before you know I I meditate and think that sometimes that's what helps you make contact and I wouldn't be surprised yeah art is definitely that way I've met I've I've met mediums. Um, I'm I'm a frequenter of Lilydale. I used to love to go to Lilydale, yeah. and I used to get spirit paintings done. And it would just be so fascinating to see them just go into these trances and just start and bang on with you know with everything. It's just like wow, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's just amazing the way they can just put it all through their artwork. Uh, Brian says, my wife and I used to run a haunted BB. Yes. To which I have, I have been to a number of our guests had interesting experiences. Yes. I have to say, I also had an interesting (laughs) experience because one of the gentlemen, um, prior owners to the house used to like the ladies. So Uh of course I'm, I'm there with a friend of mine and you know, she's like sacked out and I'm, I'm waking up in the morning because I feel this hand, this finger going down my (laughs) neck. And I'm going, and I look over, Adriana, <laughs> she's sacked out. I'm like, he's so bad to be doing that right now. Anyway, she's sacked out, and and, and the hand keeps going. I'm like, that'll do. <laughs> and it just stopped. So I remember waking up in the morning saying, so, about this guy. <laughs> I was here like, well. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he goes, yeah, that's about right. That's about what some people experience. I'm like, okay. So you see, very subtle. And and not harmful, but mm-hmm. just very personal, <laughs> right? So, but anyway, yeah. I don't do portraits because other things show up in paintings, not the person I'm supposed to paint. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. <laughs> but she's also gifted, yeah. So interesting for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think um, you, you know the asylums and and prisons and United mm-hmm. States seems to have a lot of these old structures that come up i mean if you want to buy an asylum or a prison <laughs> united states is the place to do yeah, it like yeah. every state's got how like, how many does new york state have like there's quite right. a bit oh yeah pennsylvania yeah. right yeah. so well we went through this whole period at least in america i don't know about you know europe or other parts of the world where you know mental health was just locking people up and that was before we 
had all these breakthroughs in, you know, pharmaceutical medicine, psychotropics and antidepressants and antipsychotics and all these kinds of medicines. Right. So we would lock people up. I mean, yeah, women get locked up for, um, you know, for uh, menopause or, you know, I mean. Like, oh, women, your husband could just uh, get bored of you. You'd be locked up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they can literally true. just sign you off and say, nope, crazy yeah. person, get her out of here or him out of here, you know? Yeah, it's true. So, so we had these huge facilities. But then once that medi that all those medications became available, they emptied out mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. people could be treated at halfway houses or totally right. home. Well, look at the criminal element, you know, pleading insanity and, you know, they're fully sane and going in and causing right. havoc to people who aren't of sound mind or who are in, you know, pretty bad predicaments. And then that's where I think you get that element of um, that, that, that control element, not to mention some of the staff back in the days. I mean, you get really... Some asylums, I mean, you actually have personnel who are pretty aggressive. <laughs> you know, researchers are, are you're going around investigating and they're really having negative experiences right. with some right. of the staff members. Some are protective. Others are just like, no, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. overworked. <laughs> yeah, I'm overworked well, and yeah. pissed off. <laughs> so, you know. I think of the movie... Um Jack Nicholson, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, based on right. you know, <laughs> right. and I'm that you know, Nurse Ratchet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the way it was in a lot of places. You know, oh, it's true. Yeah, so. it's true. Alan says, define old. Currently, the U.S. is extremely young on the world stage. We think a hundred years is old, but Europe, a hundred years is nothing. No, yeah, yeah I've, I've been to Europe many, you know, several that's times, true. several places, and I know you just feel like you go to this place that's, you know, I think, I think. One of the old or the oldest places I've stayed in was probably going back to the 1100s, you know. So, and that's just like we didn't, we can't build them that good side of the world, you know. Yeah. We really can't. Um, right. But right. I don't know. Um, the amount of old churches that you can buy in the USA is amazing. Also, <laughs> how many small towns, like in Brian's small town, who um, who, who he and his wife had uh, being bees? I think there were four on the street churches. <laughs> on the street, yeah. That's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, I was counting them. Like, one, two, three, four. I'm like, it's a lot of churches on one street. And that doesn't factor in the whole town. Yeah. yeah. You know, Ohio is much like that as well, right? Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot. I was just saying, I know a couple of people that have actually bought small old churches oh, and modeled them to a home. You know, yeah. Living, you know? Oh, yeah. I so, love that. Yeah. I love that. I've looked at that myself, you know. But we just bought a new house. And I'm thinking... You know, I buy a church, but I found this colossal church. I'm just like, but it was the same price as a house because you can't <laughs> sell it. But you can imagine what the taxes are when, when you know, it's like it's on a freaking city block. <laughs> it's like, right. you, know, you know, but um, oh, the tales, oh, the tales. So, okay, <laughs> so let's let's move along. So what what's some of the more, um, I mean, hardcore places? Have you done any really hardcore places that caught you off guard? You know, you kind of go in there thinking one thing, like, oh, this this spirit here is just this lovely woman, and, you know, she's going <laughs> to give you some good experience. All of a sudden, you end up with, like, okay, she's either really hardcore, this woman, or something <laughs> else here that somebody didn't tell me about. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think um, I think probably one of the, the darkest places, and I don't mean that just you know, physically, but, you know, mentally, mm -hmm. was OSR, Ohio State Reformatory. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you've been there probably. 
right? And that's um, that's a tough place. Um, I got some EVPs out of there that were just kind of hmm. strange. I don't know how to describe it, but but I, but I was kind of prepared for that because I, I already know I had already known some of the historical mm -hmm. background to this place, and it wasn't good. You right. know, I mean, there was a lot. There was guards that were killed. There were inmates mm. that were killed. You know, it was it was a pretty violent place, mm -hmm. so it didn't really shock me in that regard. But I think what really shocked me was just how it felt. You mm. know, um, yeah. we did over. I did one of the overnight investigations there, which is really cool because you can wander around the entire facility. You have all night to do it. You can go wherever you want. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's also dark and it's it's a danger it's actually just physically a dangerous place to be and I mean they've done yeah. a lot of work there but mm -hmm. I know they have this one gigantic cell block that's supposed to be the tallest freestanding cell block in the world wow. and it's place on you know, iron catwalks and stairs and you know they're rusty and everything else and you're up there in the dark you know five yeah. stories up or something and it's like <laughs> yeah uh, no lights <laughs> and, you know but um, it just it, it really hit me and I know. I was there with a uh, with a person who is a, a psychic, and as we're walking along the row of cells, you know, all the cells were open. You know, mm -hmm. I I'm I'm just feeling sort of that wow, this place is is dark. Mm -hmm. But she's going, <laughs> she'll stop it. And go, a uh, guy with a white t-shirt, uh, cigarette pack rolled up under his sleeve, uh, bald guy laying on the cot, and I go what. Where are you seeing? You know, and she was seeing all these people. Right, know? right, and they're all in your vicinity, which is yeah, great. Well, Little, we're just walking by their cell, saying, "Hi, how you doing?" You know, there's all these people in here that I'm not seeing, but she's seeing. Right. Well, like, oh, okay, you know. Right, um, and that's got to be weird for her because she's yeah. in this. This, I mean, you're in it. Obviously, you're you're in a jail cell. There's all these these men there, and yeah. I mean, so I mean, sometimes researchers will will sort of present themselves as the trigger object let's see how they react to to a female right. and she's right. just pegging them all off I, I'm yeah. like, how does yeah. she feel about yeah. all of this like all right we're surrounded <laughs> right. you know it was pretty it was pretty intense but uh yeah yeah so um what do you do in a situation like that i mean do you i always go to voice recordings you know people have all this fancy equipment Right. I'm old. I'm old school. I really like just doing voice recordings. Not that I don't have all the equipment, um, but I like voice recordings I, I, more than anything. I like taking pictures, but you seem to just really bonus out when you get a picture because that doesn't happen very often. Recordings it seem to be a little bit easier to do. Um, you know, trigger objects. Just I don't know. I'm old school. I just don't follow her to shut no. up this little puck over here, and I'm just like, yeah. it's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, to your point, Michelle, I, I carry, you know, have a recorder in my pocket or something. Yeah. It'll be turned on all the time. It'll be on from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. um, and I carry a camera and just take pictures. I also carry dowsing rods, though. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, what I do with those is I don't say that they help me find a spirit, but what I'm looking for is some change in energy that I can, okay. that I can sense. Mm -hmm. So actually, that old farmhouse that I was telling you about before with the Ouija board thing, uh, there was a barn on the property and the barn was empty, you know, nothing in there anymore, just an old barn falling down. And I went in there with my dowsing rods. And for me, if I have a, pro you know, the two prongs are straight out like that. And if I have a positive 
you know, for me, they cross. People say different things, but for me, it's a cross. So as I'm walking around, I think, oh, I'll play around here. So I get some areas where they cross. And I go, oh, that's interesting. It's just dirt floor. Mm -hmm. And so I step out, and they open up again. And I'll step in, and they cross again. So I'm, I'm walking around, and literally what I'm doing is I mapped out like an area. It was a rectangle. It was probably, I don't know, maybe... 10, 12 feet long by mm. six to eight feet wide. I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this? Right? I mean, yeah. So yeah. I'm doing it. And the guy who owns the property comes in and he sees me with the dowsing rods. And he says, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just getting something. He said, oh, he said, you found the car. I said, the car? <laughs> what are you talking about? He said, there's a car, there's a car buried here under the floor in the barn. I said, is there anybody in the car? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, I'm half Sicilian. I mean, maybe you know, I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, right. Uncle Louie. I don't. I don't know. That's Who's not a common there? thing, man, for sure. <laughs> but, but so I said, what? What's a car? He said, I don't know. I said, how? You don't know? He said, no. Let's <laughs> at that. I mean, I, there's a car buried under that barn. But the funny thing is, there's this big hunk of metal. I was able mm -hmm. to detect. I had no idea what I was looking for. I wasn't even looking for anything. I was just right. fooling around and suddenly realized I was kind of mapping out this area. Like, um, the, yeah, you have this this mega disturbance, but that's yeah. really unusual. Usually when you hear stories about yeah. cars being buried, there's usually someone in it. And they, you know, <laughs> they don't want anybody else to have that car that's when right. they're long gone. That's right. And I would like to dig up that place and find out what's in their car, you know. But I say yes, do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I was that with was, a heck of a TV show. Um, I was working that night with uh, Sherry Brake. I don't know, do you know Sherry? She's no. From, okay. Yeah. Um, she was big in Ohio. She now is West Virginia. She does a lot of uh, tours to Ireland and things like that, too. But um, yeah. She's a real good dowser as well. And she was mapping out areas around the property where she was finding bodies. Um, and what happened was that somebody came in with infrared. Actually, they were thinking there was an old cemetery there. And they actually asked Sherry to douse to find if, if she could where there may be bodies buried because there are no headstones anymore or whatever. And mm. she found some places that they then went with infrared equipment mm -hmm. and detected, yeah, there were human remains here. So that was pretty cool. That was just outside the barn that she was finding, you know. So maybe, maybe there is somebody in the car. Well, right? Like, I that, don't know. That's, I don't know. That's a curiosity. I'd be all over that just because yeah. it's, it's just so unusual. I know. Um, Alan says, could a metal detector have done the same as dowsing was? If, if you knew you were looking for a car, but you didn't know he was looking yeah. for a car. Right, right. And so what I do for dowsing rods uh, – I started to say is I just look for areas where I detect energy and it could be yeah. coming from like running water. It could be coming from electricity, yeah. could mm -hmm. be any kind of kinetic energy or, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what was causing it really to register for that because it was just a big hunk of metal. It was a car. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, the engine wasn't running or anything. So, right. Know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is now I'm going to be thinking about this car. <laughs> but, you know, how many others, I mean, how many others are out there like that? That's just a curiosity. No, uh, yeah, just ask. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Ask away. Um, so what's the most famous place that you've been in, in Ohio or anywhere? Famous and that everybody is just like, 
you know, Fox two or well, I, would I mean, like I think, Fox two. <laughs> yeah, I think the Ohio State Reformatory is still probably the most famous in Ohio. Like you mentioned, even as you came on here, you know that oh, Ohio, yeah, yeah. Ohio well, State that's, Reformatory. Yeah, yeah that's what people. Yeah, right, and it's become. I mean, the uh, the group that has been maintaining it and everything has done a great job, you know, promoting it, taking care of it, cleaning it up, repairing it, mm -hmm. uh, advertise it a lot. And you know, if you want to go, it's very they're they're booking like months ahead of time. You know, wow. So wow. So it's really yeah, people come from all around for that one. And for uh, those who don't know, what is the story of the reformatory and the and, and the, the type of activity that that you get in this Yeah, place. so it was, it. Um, it's in Mansfield, Ohio, which is sort of north, uh, kind of northeast of, um, of Columbus. Mm -hmm. And it was built as a reformatory, a boys reformatory for, you know, teenagers and kids that were, you know, wayward, got in trouble or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, they decided to turn it into an adult prison. Mm -hmm. And the history there is just, I don't know what causes it or what caused it. But it just had a very long history of apparently, you know, bad personnel and bad inmates. Mm. Um, and things just happened horribly. I mean, at one point, one of the guards, you know, was killed by a bunch of inmates. He was murdered there. Mm -hmm. um, several inmates have been murdered uh, by other inmates or by the guards. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just one of those places where. I think for lack, it just was not in control. I think it's the way to say it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long it was in existence, but it probably closed. Maybe somebody out there knows the details, but I'm thinking it probably closed maybe around the 50s or 60s, something like that. Oh, wow, that recent. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. but I could be wrong on that. But the interesting mm -hmm. thing is uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption that a lot of people know was filmed there. Fantastic movie, yes. Yeah, so if yeah. you watch that movie and you see his big stone edifice, that's, you're right there. That's the OSR, Ohio State Reformatory. Wow. And actually part of it, you can take a tour there. You can take some tours during the day. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can do an overnight there too. Mm -hmm. um, if you, But they also have kind of like a movie tour. So they'll take you to different locations within the prison that was actually in the movie. And they mm -hmm. even have some of the props. Like I think the war, I think they have the warden's desk or the warden's chair or something from the movie. Oh, still the movie. there, yeah, that's they cool. It, it set up and everything. So it's pretty cool. But the history is just, um, there's been a lot actually written about it. And it's just, it's just a, a bloody violent history. They say it's been one of the most violent prisons in America over, over time. Wow. So, so it's was, got that kind of history. You just, like I said before, you just feel it walking in, you mm -hmm. know? Right. You don't have to even see anything. You just walk in and you go, yeah, this is not a good place. Right, right. It's still carrying over. What kind of activity or experiences do people report? There's a lot of EVPs that come out of there. But people have had some, uh, have gotten some interesting photos too. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly it seems to me EVPs and, and a lot of, as you said earlier, getting touched, getting shoved, getting pushed, that kind of thing, which mm -hmm. again, considering the location, that's not good. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, and where you're standing, you know, it could, could could go bad. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's a pretty interesting place. Right. So, what are your thoughts when when um, and I'm, I'm asking this because I saw an article come across social media today where there's one gentleman trying to prove that um, that spirits can touch people. And they can attack you. They can touch you. It could be a physical thing. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? 
they're trying to prove that they can do it. Well, yeah. What do you? Yeah, thoughts on on being um, like spirits being able to to just touch you because a lot of people yeah. believe that this this can't be a thing that they can't hurt right. you, they can't touch you, they can't push you. Like, there's a lot of people who who lean towards that in their research, and other people are like, no, no, this is a thing. Right. Right. Well, mm -hmm. in my personal experience, I've never been, to the best of my knowledge, I've never been touched, you know, by by a spirit. Right. Uh, which doesn't mean that I haven't been on locations with other people who have said, right. oh, something just something just hit me in the ear. Like, like you said, or, you know, ran a finger yeah. down my spine or something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah. So, I mean, uh, it happens, and I've been in places where it's happened to other people, but not to me. Mm -hmm. I, I have a little bit of difficulty in sort of trying to figure out what a ghost, a spirit, can actually do at all. Right. Um, to be touched implies that they have some sort of physicality to them, some yeah, some corporal nature, right? That they're not just essence or or energy or whatever. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, you know, you really, uh, I mean, lightning is all energy. And That's true. <laughs> that packs a punch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know if if we if we go along that route that you know, ghost spirits are just. Uh, energy sort of mm -hmm. the energy that's left of us at some point mm -hmm. well then maybe it's possible through some some mechanism that we don't understand they could literally sort of zap you and, right. and you feel it you know not necessarily electric but you feel like well, you know what was that like something mm -hmm. touched me or something I mean, yeah i think it's i mean i think it's possible i don't know how we'll ever prove one way or the other mm -hmm. how we prove anything on ghosts you know yeah that I, I think that's that's pretty much the gist of it. I, you know, whenever I would be asked in an interview, I'm just like, I'll let you know when I get there because there really isn't anything definitive about it. You know, uh, question for you. Uh, Alan says, I'm curious as to why John gives more credence to the psychic's feelings than his own gut feelings. Oh, that's a good question, Al. Because actually, when I when I talk to people that are wanting to know how I do things, I say, okay, as I said before, I go in pretty simple, just a couple of, you know, um, a notebook, a you know, a recorder, and a camera. But I also tell people to pay attention to what your own body tells you. And I'll give you an example. The house that I mentioned in Florida, uh, it's called. It's actually called the May May hyphen Stringer House, Springer House. Mm -hmm. It's in um, uh, it's Hernando County, Florida. It was a doctor's house, and I remember walking up the stairs to the second floor, and I was in you know better shape than I am now, <laughs> but I can still do it. I walked up the stairs. I wasn't out of breath or anything else. But when I got to the landing at the second floor, I suddenly felt lightheaded and I felt sick to my stomach. And I, I grabbed the rail, the stairs, because I felt like, you know, I'm almost dizzy. Mm. And I was like, what is that? What's that about? And the superintendent of the house who was accompanying me on the tour, she said, are you okay? I said, I just kind of feel a little weird. And she said, she kind of nodded and she went like this. You go, what? What are you looking at? And over my head was a was a trap door. And there was an attic up there. And she said that the doctor, you know, he obviously in those days the practice was in his home, you know, mm -hmm. home to his house. And she said that he would put patients who had something that was contagious or you know, viral or whatever, mm -hmm. he would put them up there so that they wouldn't be he, you know, he'd minister to them, but Keep him separated from his family, from other patients, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And she said a lot of them died, and that you know they bring the body obviously down through this this trap door and then out out the house. Right. She said you're not the only one that feels that when they get up here. So 
I, I do tell people, I mean, Ellen's right. I think you do have to pay attention to what's, what's going on. What, what you suspect is happening, you know, and listening to your own body, whether it's being mm -hmm. lightheaded or sick to your stomach or, or whatever it might be, people react differently. Mm -hmm. If you walk into a place and you have some kind of a physical shift like that, it's mm -hmm. not part of, you know, you know, it's not an illness you have or anything else. Mm -hmm. You might want to pay attention to what that's about. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think people need to pay attention to their what they're going through physically. And if you're very empathic, like some people will pick up on, you know, if, if somebody died in the house, you know, maybe what they were going through. Um, like if you had dementia, for example, or Alzheimer's, like people um, might feel a little bit disoriented, a little bit confused. Um, you know, somebody might have had some anxieties, you might feel anxious. Those are all those are all feelings that I think people may just misinterpret as well, I'm just nervous to be here. You know, that some people like to go investigate, go to haunted places, but their their comfort level is at arm's length. So maybe, you know, they're not paying attention to maybe why they're really feeling that way. I think this is where it's important with the research that you're doing for your books is just knowing the history. Yeah. People don't realize how, um, how important it is to know the history of a location when you're going in, which brings me to my next question. Do you prefer to know ahead of time when you go to investigate a place or do you prefer to find out afterwards? So it's a, it's a big old surprise. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. I like to have some history, some perspective. Right. Um, but I but I don't want to hear a history of like uh, people being murdered or ghost history. Don't tell me that. Tell me yeah. that this was built in, you know, 1782 and that right. during the revolution, you know, it was attacked, there was a fort or something. Tell me that if I don't yes. know that. But yes. don't tell me. And now people now see, you know, no, I don't. Yes. Give me a little background so I understand the location. Right. But that's it. Um, and then afterwards you find things, you know, yeah. an example of that there's a, in Cincinnati where I live, there is an astronomical observatory that is actually the oldest public observatory in the United States. Wow. And it was, um, originally built, there's seven Hills around Cincinnati. It's built on seven Hills, like, like the city of Rome. And, <laughs> um, and on one of them called, uh, it was the observatory was actually put on one of these, uh, you know, hills down by by the river in the city, mm -hmm. and you no idea how old it was. The cornerstone was laid by John Quincy Adams, you know, fourth president of the United States, right? So, mm -hmm. oldest places. Well, it's moved up a little bit. Uh, it, Cincinnati got you know foggy and polluted, so it had to move out of the city a little bit. But anyway, long story short is, um, I, w I was given a, a let's see, the historian at the observatory called me. And mm -hmm. said, I heard you on a radio show and I'd like you to come down and check out the place. I said, oh, okay. I had no idea what he meant. Mm -hmm. So I went down there and I checked it out. And as we were, um, I went with another guy and the two of us were just kind of walking around and uh, we didn't sense much, but the historian told me that a, a psychic had been there and thought there was something going on. We said, okay, well, we'll come back at night if you want and we'll do an investigation. The guy said, yeah, sure, do it. I'd like you to do it. Mm -hmm. so we did it. And what we discovered by doing a little research was that in 1944, I think it was, I'm not exactly sure, it was during World War II, 
there was a physicist who was working, astrophysicist from the University of Cincinnati, who was at the observatory at night and he was working there. Now this observatory has this ancient telescope, but it's huge. It's mm -hmm. on high mount. And the astronomers, the way they get to it is they have like a, a set of um, like stairs that they can move and you can mm -hmm. climb up at any level you want. So it turns out that we found this obituary in the New York Times that said, Dr. Uh, what was his name? Elliot, Dr. Elliot something. I forgot his last name. He's going to haunt me now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Elliot, whatever his last name was, I forgot what it was. <laughs> the story was that um, the obituary said that he died, you know, in the observatory during this 1942 or something wow. uh, while working. We said, what, what do you mean? And the obituary said that he climbed up on these stairs. And this is an old observatory where the things are moved by pulling in ropes, you know, lanyards and turning yeah. wheels and all that stuff. That he climbed up to the telescope mount, put the lanyard around his neck, and stepped off the stairs. So he hanged himself, right? Oh, we said, what? That is uh, really. And this was in the New York Times, you know. Which I mean, that yeah, that's that's pretty major. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, that's pretty major. So. So we did an investigation at night. That's, that's the information we had. And so as we're doing this investigation, we're in the room and we're in the observatory. We're in the dome. There's, there's the telescope is right here. And we did what you see on television a lot. We, we just basically addressed the room. Is there anybody here that would like to speak to us? You know, whatever. Yeah. And we had recorders going. And so my friend said, um, we understand that, the, that somebody may, may have died here. Mm -hmm. He said, is it Dr. Elliot? And I can not remember his last name. Anyway, is it Dr. Elliot? Okay, well, we don't hear anything, right? We play back to recorders after, later on. And we hear him say, you know, we're in this room. We hear somebody died. He said, um, uh, we hear somebody actually maybe committed suicide. Is it Dr. Elliot? And then we hear right after that, we hear, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right, you got it. Wow, so he's still there. Right. But what I'm wondering about was, you know, we did a little history. We had that information before, yeah. purely by accident. We just kind of stumbled across stumbled across it as we were doing some research on the observatory. Mm -hmm. um, and But then it seems like when we go in, the investigation corroborates that. You, know, you get this EVP saying, yep, you're right. You know? Yeah, here I am. See, it's, it's, it's so much mixed feelings because you need to know the history to guide your investigation, right? But then... Then, then there's that there's that element where you're just like, but I want to discover things. I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to know everything. For me, it's like I'm always the one people want to deal with. I'm the one in the forefront, and so I usually put my own abilities aside because for me, it's contaminated information. I already know everything, so I I work with other mediums, and you know, can collaborate things like that, but. I always have mixed feelings about that. It's just so, you know, I don't know. You have to know, but then I don't want to know everything. Like when I went, I, I used the haunted forest in Romania when I went there. I didn't want to know everything about it. I knew it was the most haunted forest in the world. It's like, okay, that's all I need to know. Um, you know, and after that, I found out, you know, based on our experiences, like, oh, it was, it's, you know, Romania's Bermuda Triangle. It's under a no-fly zone. I'm like, what? <laughs> so... So, so I guess, you know, you don't need to know everything, but it's, it's, it's really hit and miss. Um, 
you guys have a lot of serpent mounds and things like that yeah. and, and giants. Have you ever investigated some of those? I haven't. I've been to them. Um, it's been quite some time. And when I was investigating, I wasn't investigating. When I visited them, I was interested more in the history and wasn't really doing much paranormal stuff at the time. Right. But I'd like to go back. There's been tales, especially from Serpent Mound, which is probably the most famous out of all of them. Um, we had, there's a lot of mounds in Ohio, and yeah. they're small, some are quite large. But the Serpent Mound, you see it from the air. It's incredible. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and they're thinking that they're not really sure still what that was about. They think it's got some religious meaning to it, some spiritual meaning to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the position of where it is along a river and everything may have something almost like maybe connected to ley lines or things. So so we really don't know much about it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, And I also have other weird feelings, too, about a place that w is sacred to, like, indigenous people. Yeah. I feel yes. strange about, you know, going there and saying, oh, I'm going to look for a ghost. Um, instead of just honoring the place. Mm -hmm. for it is. Um, but I would I'd be fine about going back there and, and again sort of having that mm -hmm. that respectful attitude of not really trying to mm -hmm. make contact with the spirit and you know, but just to be there and mm -hmm. take in some of that that spiritual essence that might be there. Mm -hmm. I think in situations like that, you could always consider um contacting the local the local tribe of the area, yeah. you know, and, and just say, you know, can you guide me through? A lot of them will, will have guides and say, yeah, we can tell you what our people went through. Um, I mean, up, up in Canada, you know, that's, it's, they're just very, very good about things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think coming from a historical standpoint, I always say the dead speak. They, they, they do obviously very intelligently in some cases. And I've been brought on to do locations specifically um, I guess out of a, out of that standpoint, not just which spirits are here, but just to see who wants to talk about um, what happened. You know, you know, one of those situations where where you just don't have the answers. For example, we filmed a, a show here a couple of few years back, and a lot of people go over the falls, right? It's just like. They all, you know, you know the ones that passed. It's all, it's all history. There's, there's no getting around that. You know who the historical people were that went over the falls, who died. You know that sort of thing. And the objective was to find out what they were going through at that moment. So, you know, one was chosen. And anything about it? I don't follow that. I just don't follow it, right? Um, and he collaborated. You know, we're able to bring him forward with mediums, the work of, of two or three mediums. And this this person came through. And the objective was he sat in this barrel with an anvil and he tied his hands to the top to make sure he would be stable so he wouldn't go. But the anvil wasn't secured. And the only thing they ever found of him was an arm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he collaborated all of that. And he was started saying things like, I should have listened. My friends told me don't things. It was just, so we went in at that point wow. and the information was given to us after the fact. And I was just like, then I started thinking, what about people like Mallory, you know, like, like climbing Everest, like <laughs> there's so many questions like the Dyatlov crew on the Dyatlov pass, you know, that went up in Russia and just like 
Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> there's so many historical questions that need to, I mean, need to be asked. And it would be an interesting way to find out. I, I think a place like the Serpent Mound, who built it? I'd be more curious just to say, okay, yeah. you know, I, I want to know more about it. Who could right. come forward? And why? Can, I mean, what was yeah. The, why yeah, a serpent, yeah. you know? And if you look at, you know, if you see it, it's actually a serpent that it looks like he's, um, has a mouth open, like he's swallowing an egg. They think it's like an egg that he's wow. eating. Like, well, what, you know? Yeah, like what? What does this symbolize? What's it mean, you know? Yeah. And there's other mounds too that have other other forms and some are just mounds. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's still fascinating. Like there's just so much history and so many little things that, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's part of, of spirit research. You know, when you go to all these locations, you, you realize that somebody lived here or somebody yeah. worked here. Somebody was a part of this story. And I think it's a part of unfolding those journeys. For me, I, I think that's exciting. And, and I think you and I are of like mind in many ways in how we, we do our research. And, um, you know, I, I always find that like extremely, extremely fascinating just to, to mm -hmm. dig at a story. Because everything has a story. Well, and I've always, I mean, I've always been a, a big history buff, you know, just straight yeah, history. I, mean, I love history. Me too. Any yeah. kind of history. And uh, I've done a lot of Native Americans. I've written a lot about Native American history and stuff too. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. But, you know, so, yeah, so it's kind of a nice combination. And I like what you're saying. I hadn't really thought about it that way in terms of um, going deeper with trying to sort of get out the real history through, yeah. you know, through spiritual work. Through parapsychology, through uh, you know, yeah. paranormal stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a way I was asked to design a show a few years ago. I'm like, okay, this is what I would like it to be because there's just not a lot of people who have done it. Not that in a roundabout sort of way, some information doesn't get done, but there's so many questions out there that because we weren't there, we just don't know. And can you imagine you go to places like this and somebody goes like the story of this guy went over the falls. It's like, Oh, well, he didn't listen, did it his own way. <laughs> but to hear what his thoughts were yeah, like inside as everything was unfolding to me right. was like, it, 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 it felt, I felt like I had been hit in the chest, you know, I was just like, Oh my God. Like I could just feel because I could just hear it in the voice. And it was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and then to be told, well, here is the person, here is the story. I'm just like, it, it worked, <laughs> it worked, it worked. We got, yeah, we yeah. got the the history. You know, we got the the information, which is fascinating. Um, humanity has been or has been destroyed and rebuilt over and over again. Uh, you think our technology is the best ever? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Helen, I think I just don't know if it will ever get there. You know, we just seem to have a hard time getting it. Uh, from South America to North America, there are lots of serpents depicted mm -hmm. in their stones and mounds. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, yeah, so you've sent some pictures. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a station ID and a sponsor ID, and then we can talk a bit about these locations, and I'll fumble around and bring up these these couple of pictures, which are like very impressive, by the way. <laughs> so I just saw those. I'm like, oh, I have to find a way to make this happen. <laughs> so, 
Okay, so here we go. We're just going to go in. Um, if you are just tuning in, uh, you are listening to the outer realm, and hope you know. I know some people come in late, but you're missing all the fun here, guys. So you're listening to the outer realm. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7 FM, from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are also on Roku. Hopefully some of you guys are watching us on Roku and enjoying the show. Uh, we are with John Kachuba, and he's got loads of stuff to talk about. And we're going to be looking at a couple of photographs, which I think are going to be just mind-blowing for some of you. Uh, we are fully sponsored by Folgers Coffee, who have been a part of our journey since day one. So thank you, Folgers. Also, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, is an award-winning composer whose music can be found anywhere that good music can be found. Also, the artist behind all of the Outer Realm banners, Steve McGinnis. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook. Look him up. He's got great stuff. Anyway, everybody's like, oh, look, everybody's chiming in. I love it. Which brings me back to people harping. You know, you can do a Folgers commercial and it'll be seen by millions of people, sit in the archives forever and be seen by more millions of people. Just saying. Well, <laughs> all right. Yes, get Roku, get Roku. Okay, so which one do you want to start with? Um, um, I mean, we've got Oliver House. Pundersen yeah, let's do, uh, let's do the, um, hmm, let's see Oliver House first. Okay, let me <laughs> go in and bring this puppy up here. One minute. Yeah, uh, all right, sorry. Share her up, bringing it on. There we go. There we go, Oliver House. So, so the background to this story, which is really quite bizarre, is that the Oliver House is in Toledo, Ohio, and it began as a hotel back, like in the mid nineteenth century, eighteen fifties or so. Um, and over time, it had some various uses, including as a military hospital for Spanish-American war veterans. Um, today, the whole building has been remodeled, and it's like an entertainment venue. There's some restaurants in there. There's a bakery. There's a movie theater. But also attached to it is like a, I guess, a three-story um, apartment building, which was part of the uh, old um, hotel and hospital. Hmm. So where this photo comes from is, well, there's there's a ghost supposedly that they call the captain that is seen in the uh, grounds a lot, especially in the bars. And they say right. he's wearing like an old military uniform from right. around maybe this time of the Spanish-American War. But this photo, so in that apartment building that I talked about, there's a little dinky elevator, one of these tiny elevators. Like if you've ever been to France in an apartment building. Oh, yes. <laughs> you I might know get two people in, not two Americans, maybe okay. two French people. But uh, yeah. so there's one of those. And it's, it's you know, obviously very small. And the story is that there was a guy who um, was in the apartment. He was coming down the elevator. He gets on the elevator on the third floor. And, of course, there's nobody in it. It's very tiny. He walks in. And door closes and he starts going down. And as the elevator is descending, he just has this sense of not feeling right. Like he just he feels like like there's somebody around him almost, like you know, leaning over his shoulder, that kind of thing. Like, is there somebody behind me? But but he knows there isn't. He's in this tiny, tiny elevator. But he's got a camera with him. He's going to some event where he's gonna take a camera. 
So when the elevator hits the ground floor, the doors open and he steps out and just in a last minute thought, he turns around and he takes a picture of the empty elevator compartment. Mm. That's what he gets. <laughs> Jeez. I mean <laughs> well, and so so people say, Well, what is this? And I say, Well, we we don't know what it is. I mean, keeping in mind that the Oliver House at one time was an old hospital, you know, people say, Well, it looks like an old guy wearing kind of what they used to call and when I was a kid, they used to call them Johnny coats, which were like hospital gowns. Kind of looks like that, but at the same time. It almost looks like he has suspenders on. So mm. who is this guy? And when you show this picture around to people that work at the Oliver House or have been there, actually the original photo, this is my photo of the original photo. The original one is actually um, in the Oliver House. And if you go there, there's mm -hmm. a there's a microbrewery where this photo is. And you can ask the bartender or anybody there, and they'll show it. The effect they'll take you on a tour of the haunted locations in the Oliver House. But we don't know who this guy is. And it's just really interesting because he's not the captain that, that people normally see. And he's only been seeing this photograph. Nobody has seen him in in reality, in, in you know, person. So right. I don't know what your audience thinks of this, but when I show um, this, you know, at libraries and stuff, when it comes up, people it's audible. People just go, oh. <laughs> you know, what well, is that? <laughs> well, Dolly is a medium, as she says, his name is Edward. 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 So I don't know, maybe it would be worth sort of, wow. you know, contacting them and say, so do we know anything about an Edward? Edward. <laughs> like, okay, well, keep that in mind. Yeah, because I'll be up there again. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting photograph. I mean, yeah. to me, just yeah. from, from this perspective, it looked like it could be like a gown if it was a hospital uh, sort of thing, you know, definitely looks... Um, Oh, okay. Well, oh, okay. He's a Jew by the curls in his beard. Um, yeah. If that's, yeah, if that's a beard, it could be, I, I think it could be suspenders, you know, yeah. looks a bit like caretaker. Yeah. Caretaker. Or repairman of sorts. Yeah. Repairman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's interesting. It's really great capture. And uh, yeah. for them to have it up, that's really interesting. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I say, they, they show it. You know, and they're they're interested too. They like to find out, you know, what it is. Okay, that's the Oliver House. Oh, <laughs> and it's we're the, come up here. And, and you can go there in Toledo. You can have a nice drink in the bar. You can talk to people, and they they will they will um, they will show you around because, like I said, there's haunted locations. In addition to the captain, there's been a something that's been seen in the ladies' room, and the way it's described, some women have said, "Well, they've gone into the ladies' room." And it's been okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna let you. Uh, that's okay. Okay, I can, I can just. Uh, I, for that's some right. reason, it should have went incognito mode, but it didn't. It just like flashed right across when you were no talking. Problem. I'll get <laughs> so, this. But, but just, just to finish the other one. So what yeah. women have seen in the ladies' room is they've seen a um, sort of a, a skeletal, part skeletal figure in a red dress. Mm, that, wow. You know, to walk into the ladies' room, and they'll do whatever and they'll come out and like usually in a little i haven't been in a ladies room but right, I right. <laughs> right i understand it's you know, kind of nice maybe a little couch or you know whatever um right. that that she's sitting on this little little chair and they come out and of course they, you know they don't like that so okay yeah this yeah. is from the punderson state park in ohio there's a beautiful lodge there which used to be an old mansion 
owned by a member of the Cleveland family, not not the president, but some relative. Mm-hmm. And over time, uh, you know, things the guy went bankrupt. He lost the house. Anyway, the state of Ohio ended up with this beautiful, beautiful kind of mansion. And they decided, well, let's make that the lodge for this state park. Wow. So um, it's a great venue. What you're looking at here, there's a spiral staircase that goes upstairs. And uh, people frequently, uh, brides and all, will stand on the staircase and take pictures because it's a beautiful setting. So somebody went to a wedding up there and it took a picture of this stairwell with the spiral staircase and everything else. But it was totally empty. There wasn't anybody standing there. It wasn't a bride or a groom or anybody, just the beautiful decor, the beautiful architecture and stuff. Mm-hmm. What appears is this is what appeared on his on his photo when he was done. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of different interpretations as to what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have said, well, it looks like a woman mm-hmm. because it's saying that uh, it looks like a, you can see it looks like a skirt, maybe, or a dress. Mm-hmm. And the legs look kind of kind of thin and more like a woman's legs than a, than a man. Mm. When I look at it, to me, I see somebody whose back is to me. And I, I see, see the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see it as a man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and see the same Head bent down a little bit. And it looks like he has like his left leg kind of lifted as he's walking and the right leg down. Mm-hmm. Right. But we have... We have no idea, again, what this thing is. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it blocks out the railing um, on on the, the, the further wall, up along the wall, how yeah. it just, right where the back is, how it just blocks it out. And there was yeah. nobody there to your knowledge that could have just like, you know, how you can sometimes just drag images through. Right. 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 Yeah. That's yeah right. Yeah. And parts you can see, you know, like this, you can yeah. see the rail, it looks like it's transparent going through too. So you get, mm-hmm. you get these things and the light is just kind of really weird lighting. I mean, there's a little lamp on the chair there. Yes. Um, yeah. I see that. So, yeah. Walking away from the Man and woman walking away towards theirs. Interesting. Yeah, I don't two know. people. Uh, wow. Alan just thinks it's a bad photo. I have to say it's not my photo. So yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll confess to that. Um, but the interesting thing about Punderson State Park is talk about a haunting. About back in the 70s, I guess it was, it went under major renovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put in you know new air conditioning and all this kind of stuff. So it was closed for a couple of months while this was being done. Well, the park was still open, the parking gra- the park grounds and everything. So they still had a ranger. Mm-hmm. And the ranger was on patrol one night with um, another guy. Two of them were patrolling the grounds. And there was an alarm that went off at the building. Now, the building at this point was, was shut down because it was under construction. So there were no guests in it or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. The, the, airs, the AC was taken out. So it was hot. This was the middle of the summer. So the alarm goes off. And these two rangers go up to the house. They're not in any particular hurry or anything because it turns out that, you know, deer were wandering by and setting off a camera or something. So they figure, all right, it's not going to be right. any deal. Yeah. They go in the house and they walk around the ground floor and they don't see anything. But it's really hot inside, stuffy. It's locked up. They're sweating. All of a sudden, as they walk toward the stairs, like roughly where this character is here, they hear 
a scream. It sounds like a woman. They said it was like a piercing scream. And it sounded was coming from upstairs. So the two guys start running up the stairs. And they said, as soon as they hit the stairs, the temperature in that whole place just dropped. They said it plummeted. I mean, it was hot. They were sweating. Mm. The guy that I talked to, um, the park ranger, even said, he was, he was the one that did it. He said that it got so cold. He said, you can see our breath condense. He said wow. it was like cold. The words he used was cold enough to hang meat. So oh. like a freezer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, these two guys still run up the stairs. Well, I'm thinking, I would have run down and out. <laughs> That's it, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, brave guys, they ran up the stairs. When they got to the top of the stairs, everything stopped. The scream stopped just like that. The temperature went right back to hot again. And they looked around and there was nothing. They examined all the rooms upstairs and everything else. There wasn't anything. There wasn't any animal. There wasn't any person. So they have no idea what that was about. But it's interesting, though, to think that we have this figure in, at the stairs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever it is. Bad photo. I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I don't know. I, I see the same thing as you see, though. I do see a man walking towards the stairs. and, and Yeah. You know, he's got his arm out like this, and he's, uh, yeah. you know, the first, first of, thing I saw. There's been a lot of other sightings at Punderson. And, in fact, at one time, uh, we have we have gypsies in Ohio that come through seasonally, and they, they do roofing and mm -hmm. driveways and stuff like that. Um, right. But they used to camp up here at Punderson mm -hmm. every year when they came through. And one year they came through, and – uh, two or three gypsy women were walking along. There's there's a lake here. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, the lake is extreme. It's weird. It's like one of these glacial lakes. It's extremely deep. Wow. For Ohio, it's like bizarre. Really, really right. deep. Is this but like at, one, an, at a national state park? Sorry? Is this at a... A state park. Oh, okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson okay. State Park. I think I might have saw something on this on mysteries of, of state parks or no, something. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it just sounds familiar. It's up way in the northeast part, sort of around yeah. Ashtabula, close to the lakes up there. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, but, please um, carry on. So these two, these two or three um, gypsy women were walking. It was night, and they were kind of just walking along, the, you know, by the lake shore. It was a nice summer evening. And they said that all of a sudden they looked out there, and they saw, they saw rising up from the lake, they saw a young woman, like 17 or 18, kind of just rise up from the center of the lake and come moving toward them. Mm -hmm. And they, according to what I was told by other people there, they said something, I don't know what they said to him, and it apparently disappeared. But there had been a girl that had drowned in that lake only the year before, and she was about that age. Oh, boy. But that was the last time that the gypsy stayed there. They never came oh, back. yeah, very superstitious. You said, yeah. no thanks, we're done. Wow, <laughs> so, wow. Anyway, there's all these great stories from Punderson. And it's funny because it's just it's a beautiful park, beautiful lodge. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they own up to it. Um, I mean, I got half, half these stories and information from the superintendent at the, at the park. I mean, they were, they're willing to say, yeah, this is what people are telling us they're experiencing and everything else up there. So. Yeah, it, I think oh, I mean like, a lot of your state parks apparently are very, you know, very haunted or have a lot of really, shall we say, they're mysterious. <laughs> Probably the best way to put it. Right. Um, I mean, you have a lot of acreage, so I mean, you know, there's a lot of room for 
for for you know high levels of high strangeness as they say you yeah. know <laughs> but um i am sure i am sure that i've heard something based similar on this story and it's the lake that you mentioned that mm-hmm. that got me i think another tale it was told was a young boy who came up and there was oh. somebody sitting by the water oh. and okay you know but apparently a lot of people passed away like a lot of people and they'll just walk to their deaths. They're just drawn in and they'll just walk right out to wow. right into the water. And, wow. you know, loved ones are going, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and, they just, <laughs> and they just keep going. Where are you going? <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, uh, land, bet- land between the lakes. Yes, there we go. <laughs> right. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know. So you, you are working on other books. Um, are there are they along the same lines your investigations what's yeah what's so well what i've done is i've sort of moved away from the nonfiction, and i've taken what my experiences have been and what i've learned and put it into fiction oh so i mean i already have a novel that came out a couple of years ago called dark entry which right. is based on an actual location in uh, connecticut which is called dark entry or dudley town i'm sure a lot of people have heard of dudley town and I grew up in Connecticut, so I've been up there and everything else. Right. So I wrote that. But I have a new book coming out um, in June, which is for middle grade kids, like age maybe oh, 10 to 12. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, well, see, I believe that you should try to scare the pants off your children. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just give them your haunted books? <laughs> I'll do well, it. I mean, actually, I mean, there's actually some theory to that because we live in such a world that the reality is, is you know, when you have shootings and earthquakes and yeah, wars, life's scary you know, enough. A lot of kids end up yeah messed up. So if you can maybe teach them sort of the real kind of fictional horror and stuff that maybe you get somewhere. So it's a ghost story and right. it's not, it's, it's not a, um, not a terribly, terribly horror story. There's some humor in it and, but it is a ghost right. story and it takes place. It's going to be the first in a series and each one is going to take place in an actual haunted location. Do you want me to put the picture up? Can I do yeah, that? Sure. Right now? Is it the same? Yeah, okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. I don't want to get ahead okay. like the last time. Some no, picture fine. throws itself up and you're not even done talking yet. That's okay. Fine. <laughs> Did I see how fast that was? So that place <laughs> okay. is, it's called Chateau La Roche. Um, okay. Sometimes called, they call it the Loveland Castle because it's in Loveland, Ohio, uh, right. which is just outside of Cincinnati. And I used to live in it's Loveland. beautiful. This place, it's gorgeous. It's a, it's a reconstruction of a Norman castle. It's a one-quarter wow. scale Norman castle. So it's big. And it was built by one man over wow. a period of decades um, who actually died working on it. Um, oh. He was like in his 80s and he was still working on it. And he had an accident, ended up in the hospital and he died. But this place, um, there's a group of guys now who are called Knights of the, let's see, Knights of the Golden Trail. And wow. it's kind of a little organization and they've finished the work on it. They maintain it. It's open to the public. Uh, it's a venue for weddings and, you know, oh, beautiful. Just, and it's great. And it's, you can't see it, but it's right on the riverbank of the little Miami river. So wow. off the right there, uh, you're about 20 yards away from the river. I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous location. Uh, anyway, it's haunted um, by Harry Andrews who is the guy who built it. Uh, but it's also, even Harry, when Harry was building this thing, he lived in it and he was all by himself. He was uh, he never married, never had kids. 
So he lived mm -hmm. in this place by himself as he was building it. And he would talk about what he would see in the area. Mm -hmm. And he would see ghosts like in the woods back up here and along the river. So there's all these other ghosts that are there in addition to people saying Harry is, is still there and hasn't left it. So my, um, the novel is called Haycorn Smith and the Castle Ghost. And right. it takes place, you know, it's centered around here at Loveland Castle. So it's, uh, I hope to have the launch of the book. If any of them are listening, <laughs> I'd like right. to have the launch of the book at the castle. Oh, so, well, that would be nice. Have you approached them? Are they what? Have you approached them and said? Not hey, yet. Not yeah. yet. But I, but I know some of them. I mean, I'm, I, I would think yeah. they'd be willing to do it. Uh, I think it'd be great. Just show them the episode and just flash it all there in front of you. Millions of people could be able to see it. Right, right. <laughs> Right. That might help. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'd probably also donate a lot of the sales to because this is a nonprofit and you know yeah. they can use the money to help support it and everything too. So Oh, I think it's great. I think anyway, it's great. That's, that's coming up. Oh wow, that's, that's just that's just coming up. I think that's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> like wow. So this is gonna be a series then. Yeah. Yeah. And have, do you have your sights on the next location already, or is that something? You um, well, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of places. Yeah, actually, we talked about Native American before, and there's a um, there's a place just north of Cincinnati by about 40 miles that was built by the uh, Adena culture, and mm -hmm. there's some earthworks left up there, and there's a, a park there and everything. And I'm one. I want to set one in a Native American context. That would be great. Uh, yeah. So again, talking to the spirits and using the real history of, you know, what we know to be the real history of the area mm -hmm. and tie that all in. Uh, New Orleans is another location. Ah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You pick the places there. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I went down there um, for a, another nonfiction book that might still come out at this point. I don't know. But I, I work with some voodoo practitioners for a while down there. Um, that, was, that was very interesting. So I'd like to do, you know, the voodoo element in New Orleans. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's I got a lot of ideas. But you know. oh yeah, I love how you're just incorporating everything into it. You know, it, it's I mean, it's what I know. It's fun, you know, and and it's a learning process for me. And again, even when I'm writing these things, even though it's fiction, a novel. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning stuff. I'm doing research and I'm learning a lot. Now, which is it's like a little bit of historical fiction in a way. Yeah, oh, it is. Well, yeah. so I have another book coming out this year as well. Now that you mentioned it, all right, go go crazy. <laughs> but um, this is called the Bottle Conjurer, um, and it's a trilogy. It's the first novel of a trilogy, and I'm actually co-authoring co this with a cousin. Right, uh, and it's set in 18th century London, and it has a lot to do with. Um, Magic, and we talked about gypsies before. There's gypsies mm -hmm. involved, and there's a guy trapped in a bottle, and uh, right. um, all that kind of stuff. But we had to do a lot of historical research for that, and that's been fun to do that. Right, so. right. Well, maybe now you can do one where your character is, is you know, maybe a medium or a researcher who wants to try to find out the history or the mystery behind a certain. Huh? Something. Ha ha. Ba ba ba. We can't go forever with that one. Let me. <laughs> Where would I find somebody like that, Michelle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, I'm sure you could probably mix it up with a lot of people that you know. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Endless because the world is full of mysteries and it's full of, 
you know, uh, I mean, like I said, you know, we're always so happy to just shrug away and, and, and dismiss some of our history, but how many pieces of that do we just have no answers to? I know, you know, Einstein, a physicist, right? A genius yeah, right. has this famous quote about, he said, I don't want to live in a universe that has no magic in it. That's mm, true. Right. The, the universe I mean, is full of magic. Right. It is. It is fantastic. Well, you know, we're slowly, we're slowly, you know, finishing up. And um, I'm, I'm really glad you came on the show. I always have a good time when you're on and just love sharing stories. And, you know, it's nice to speak to somebody of like mind as well. And um, let us know when you're, you know, getting all of your books put together. And uh, cool. yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So thank you. And I hope you have a, a fantastic weekend. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate it. It's always been fun being on your show. So thanks so much. Aww, thank you. I'll be in touch. Okay. I'll be around. <laughs> All right, darling. <laughs> Take Bye. care. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of another fantastic segment. What about those pictures, though? Just saying. It's like, wow, they were amazing. Um, I see. I love. I love the whole perception thing. How we all see different things and yet here we are you know there's only one answer uh, always curious to see you know what that is and I, there we go i was wasn't going to be i wasn't able to see all my all my messages like you guys just all disappeared everything's freezing up on me well that just tells me i have to like end probably there we go there we go all right back on track holy smokes so anyway uh sleepy uh night dolly it's always nice when you tune in night night well again we'd like to give a big thank you to john uh Kachuba. it's just just so laid back and it's just such a comfortable conversation big thank you to him for joining us big thank you to folgers coffee big thank you to justin snicker aka dr snick the sonic surgeon big thank you to steve mcginnis Love you all. You'll see we've got our email just scrolling across here. Feel free to contact us if you love us, you hate us. Hopefully you love us. If you want to be a guest, if you'd like to suggest a guest or ideas, uh, please do feel free to uh, to contact us there. Um, subscribe, like, follow. We appreciate your support so very much. Now, next week, fingers crossed, the bubble's going to be back. Yeah right? Because we are starting Wednesday off with a Q&A. Yes, we're having our monthly Q&A. You'll notice like we're in February, we're trying to do them every month because we do get a lot of requests for them. And when I say Q&A, it's kind of like, you know, having a little parlay, having a discussion, but we might do something a little bit different, meaning we will pick a topic or several, as you know, you guys sort of lead the way as to where things are going, but we might do something a bit different. And if you have a haunted tale or an experience that you want to, to talk about, let us know, pay attention to this email, send me an email and say, Here's the just basic gist of what I'd like to share. We're going to try to give people, you know, I mean, obviously we can't we can't have a whole lot of people on, but we're going to try to to take maybe you know three or four people, and I will send you a link to the soundboard, which means you're going to come on with us. 
you know, probably you know, in around end of the first half, starting the second half of the show. And you're going to get to come on the soundboard here with us, and you're going to be able to tell us your story and interact with a couple of people and chat, you know, whoever's in with, with questions. Um, and, you know, we thought that might be kind of fun. But I need all that information in advance because I can't just put the link to the soundboard up and, you know, having a whack of people because then I can't get to everybody and the whole soundboard fills up. So you, it would have to be arranged in advance. So there's the email. Let me know. And at that point, when I have your email and we, we choose your story, then we were going to send off a link and we will basically make sure you're in chat because we're going to say okay we're starting and we're going to send you a link and you get to share in the show so i think that was darn exciting i'm anxious to see who's got what anyway thursday night of course welcomes the return of brad olson for part two of his book beyond esoteric escaping the prison planet part one was super interesting i mean he's got an amazing uh, set of books. The Beyond Esoteric series are just really excellent. So I have no doubt that part two is going to be just as interesting. So get ready for that as well. So in the meantime, for me, it's moving weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, can't wait. Um, but for the rest of you, I hope you all have something really exciting planned. And I hope you have a lot of fun. Relax if you need to relax. Have fun if you need to have fun. But stay safe. And we shall see you guys next week. So, good night from the outer realm.